Welcome to the One Thing Global Leadership Summit podcast. Today we'll be interviewing a local pastor and asking him what the reset means for him. Thank you for joining us. Welcome again, Malachi. O'Brien, you are a local pastor here in the Kansas City metro area, and we just want to ask you, as you've kind of walked into the journey with the IHOP community, of what the reset has meant for you and your local congregation. Well, Blair, first, let me just say thank you for letting me be on the podcast. This is, I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to be a part. I think this is valuable. I would recommend anyone listening if they've to go back and listen to previous podcasts and make sure they subscribe so they can get the future ones because we. I know it's in the heart of this is to provide great value for the kind of this leadership tribe that's kind of developed over the last several years for the... Pastors like yourself, businessmen, people who are working with youth, young adults, missionaries, houses of prayer, all of them. Absolutely. And and so, you know, here's the the reset. It's a unique, it's got some unique components for me. Um, One, just observing it from, from close... But not in the not in the inner circle of it. I one of my biggest regrets, to be quite honest with you, Blair, was um, Mike had asked me to come be a part of the meetings when the thousand Chinese leaders came, and I just could not. Mm. I'd already made previous commitments, and yeah. so obviously I come back, I hear the story, and for a moment I regretted that decision. But then I just realized, you know, God is sovereign, and You're and part just of the family part of the you family can't miss, it. can't miss it, not missing it, and so and and it's been amazing to see how God has been using it um, in the IHOP community, hearing people talk about it. For one, I mean, to say as a local church pastor, I'm watching an organization, a very public organization, and ministry be very honest. I think people look sometimes will take a look at an organization they respect or admire and just think it's perfect. They're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish my church was like them. I wish my ministry was like this. But but IHOP is kind of pulled back the curtain to say to the watching world, we're broken. We're broken, <laughs> and we need help. And right. I and the Lord is graciously giving wisdom and insight for the help that they need. And 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 they're. Blair, from my perspective, I see you know the IHOP family being broken and just and kind of being very honest in somewhat could be kind of embarrassing ways to say we don't have it all together over here and we know that we need to go make this right over there. And so, as somebody who's local, who's a pastor, I'm watching, going, Lord, help me to be like that. Help me to be willing to, as a leader, um, help me be willing to be as vulnerable and honest as they are to the people you let me serve and you let me lead. And so that, this is kind of a sidebar thing that I've kind of observed and it's been helpful for me. You know, Blair, something that's kind of unique to the uh, the reset is just a story, and I've shared it with you, shared with Daniel, is, you know, just a few weeks before the reset, uh, in our local church, we had a, uh, an unbelievable miracle happen. We had a, a young boy right. that, yes. that, that fell out of a tree. Um, he fell into, and it, it, if you typed in, Meat skewer boy in Google. Meat as in like as a meat. Animal yeah, eat, meat, meat. Yeah, yeah. So meat skewer as in a big piece of metal that goes to the meat boy. You're gonna find the story of a young man that was in our church, Xavier Cunningham, that on on September the eighth he fell out of a tree, fell onto a metal meat skewer, it went through his skull, and yet God miraculously oh. healed him. He he fell down. We they rush him to the hospital. They don't know if he's gonna live, and yet by Tons of people were praying. He miraculously lived. I mean, the doctors at at uh, KU Medical Center in Kansas City 
um, Dr. Ebersol said, this is a one in a million miracle. We've never seen this like this. I mean, there's no damage, no brain damage, no nerve damage, no nothing. I mean, him falling out of that tree, it severed his jugular vein completely. Wow. He should have bled, but he did not. Wow. And then it was literally one millimeter from his carotid artery that if you would nick that, you would die. And then he walked out of the hospital four days later after this accident happened. That's crazy. Um, he said, before they took him in for surgery, his words, not mine, but it's powerful. He said he knew he'd be okay because he said at the foot of his bed, he saw the Lord Jesus himself praying for him and the eyes of the Lord lit the room. People asked me, do you believe that? I said, absolutely, I believe that. And so what does that have to do with the reset? I think God's just showing that he can take desperate situations, yeah. dark situations, situations that look like they are, they are too far gone, and he in a moment can press reset and turn everything around. I mean, I've watched what he's done with his family. I've watched what he's done with our church. Mm-hmm. I've watched what he's done with the IHOP family going, Lord, <laughs> there's nothing too hard for the Lord. And so for me, um, the timing of it doesn't catch me off guard. The mm-hmm. Lord is faithful, and it's a very encouraging moment. So the reset has challenged me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, personally, I had to kind of take a look at my life as a younger leader and just come to the, to the honest reality is I've been too busy. I've come to a point where it's been really easy to talk about prayer as a leader than actually pray. Yeah. You know, you it's can... So you can, to do. It's way too easy to do. I mean, you can actually get proficient in the language of something and just and, and tell old stories from what happened, you know, last year, two years ago, and, and, and you live off the past, not live in the present towards the future. And I realized by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you talk a lot more about prayer than mm-hmm. actually pray. And I just say, Lord, you're right. And so mm-hmm. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then I, I, the Lord said, you need to get rid of some things in your life. And so he just began to... Uh, voluntarily let me let some things go and he made some things happen that had to leave out of my life in order that there could be margin Mm -hmm. and space for me as a local church pastor as a leader to give myself to prayer in the way he called me to do it so as i understand you actually stepped back or were stepped back from Mm -hmm. uh little literal uh offices responsibilities and positions uh, had titles that weren't just small things, there's actually some pretty significant larger things that were uh, pruned, uh, self-pruned or involuntarily pruned. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, so this, this wasn't just a light, oh, I, I made a half hour in my day. There were some real life changes for you. Yeah, some changes that involved, Lord, I, am I going to make it financially because yeah. I don't have this anymore? And then honestly, the Lord said, I had to be okay with not having some cool titles in my life. Mm-hmm. And the Lord had to say, well, you like those titles for all of the wrong reasons. Um, Do you love me more than a position? Do you love me more than a title? Do you love me more than what you want people to think about you? Do you love me more than to realize that when you walk away from some things, you're you're not going to be invited to things that you probably enjoyed for the wrong reasons? And so, but in the midst of this reset, the Lord kind of gave a grace to say, you know, Lord... You're enough. Mm-hmm. I don't need any of that. And I'm not going to say it hasn't been hard because there was some serious fearful moments of provision. And But he has been so faithful. Yeah. And it's been so rewarding. And the reset has probably it's saved me in a lot of ways personally. So Because ultimately, the Lord called me to live a life of prayer. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing that when I stand before him, there's many things. There's family things. There's of those things. But ministry-wise, if I don't do this life of prayer calling that he put in my heart, 
I will stand before him as an unfaithful servant. Yeah. And the Lord said, I love you too much to not give you another shot at standing before me so I can say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And, and I'm going to realize in that moment, I, it was only well done because you helped me every single step of the way. And so this reset has helped me provide time, um, much needed time. And, and you know, I think sometimes as young leaders, we can get too busy for our own good. And sometimes it's not, the devil doesn't have to destroy us. He just has to distract us. So Malachi, thank you for sharing that. I mean, because you, you've been pastoring a local church, but at the same time, you have the gifting of a networker, mm-hmm. and you were heavily involved in the denomination that you served in your churches mm-hmm. in. And so you had kind of a regional and, and, if I would say, probably a national presence and active engagement. And uh, and then you've kind of been re- resetting, but one of the things the Lord's kept you with, as I understand, is you're still pastoring this local church. Yes. And so how has that journey been of uh, kind of starting with the local church, going broad, and now the Lord's brought you back to your local church, which you were doing the whole time, but what does that look like even as you've cast vision in, in front of your church on Sunday mornings and even your board and elders, like, of, of this next season. Give us a little window into that, if you will. Sure. And so, you know, so let me give a context a little bit. I, I was, I tried to get away from the local church. Oh, okay. And the Lord wouldn't release me from that. I mean, I, in, in some ways, he gave me greater clarity to my role as a, as, a, as, a, as a key leader. But ultimately, I came to a point, even in the local church, for one, let me just say, biblically and theologically, I believe the local church is God's plan A and it's God's plan, plan B. Um, God, Jesus did not die to start a parachurch. Mm-hmm. He, did start, he did die to start the church. The church is not a building. It's not a denomination. But that's his plan to use weak and broken people for his glory and then to call weak and broken people to shepherd weak and broken people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the Lord several years ago showed me that I, that I was not to go chase the, the mega church, mm-hmm. And I was chasing what I thought would be would bring me joy and satisfaction, and that was it. Was really more I just wanted to be seen and heard and noticed, not be faithful in unseen places. So the local church I skipped to serve is actually a church. It's you. It'd be I mean, a, it'd be a hard to find. Your town size is how much? Oh, the t- it's actually it's not even in town. It's like down a gravel road. Yeah. Out in the country. We're talking less than ten thousand people. Less than ten. Oh, yeah. absolutely, less than ten thousand people. But it's a local church that we that God has replanted to be a, what I affectionately call a spirit-filled Southern Baptist church. Great. Um, and okay. so, and ultimately I'd like to say it's a Jesus church, but the beautiful thing is God does his greatest of works in the hardest of places, so he gets all of the glory, and we're trying to lead this church to be a church that lives and breathes the spirit of prayer. Mm-hmm. And then, in, and when doing that, it discovers its identity and discovers its power to do ministry with an eternal perspective. So I like to say it's not about how big our church can be, it's not how big can our denomination be. It's how can we multiply God's kingdom. And coming back and bringing the reset back into the conversation with that context, um, I've heard a few people say that I've talked to that they were experiencing the Lord uh, indicating some, as we're using the terminology, reset kind of direction towards them in their local congregations or ministry organizations or businesses um, prior to the Lord kind of dropping it upon uh, us here in Kansas City at the International House of Prayer. Um, did you, did you, as you reflect back, can you see the Lord kind of doing that in your congregation, or or do you see some of those indicators? Ever since the reset has happened at IHOP, our church has been different. 
Okay. I mean, I mean that 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 literally that season of when the young man it's had, had September. Yeah, September ish. It's been a. It's almost like I'm pastoring a completely different congregation. Yeah, because your congregation also did experience something very glorious. Yeah. In a public, uh, citywide uh, kind of reset. Period. A miracle that normally we weren't seeking, but God did. And, you know, I, sometimes I, I think the Lord loves us enough to do what he's doing with IHOP, do what he's done with the church, because as leaders, we can sometimes become spiritually bored mm. and start chasing or looking for the wrong things. And when there's a reset that happens, you become almost like you're you're brought back to the what you are called to do, and that's to minister before the Lord and to, to be a Mary of Bethany and realize this is all that matters. It's not the, it's not the, the end of the day, how many people came on a Sunday no, it's about we're ministering to to Christ and 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 before the presence of the angels and and to Him and so honestly, even in our local church, it it matters very little to us at the end of the day how many people come for a Sunday service. What matters to us is are we being faithful to to be a church to seek His face in prayer? And the reset has helped us because it's given us language and something to point to and others to point to to say. What God did there, he means for us. Yeah. Because here's what, when God does something to the magnitude of the reset, it's, it's, he never does things just for us. He's always doing things for the benefit of others. So if you go through a, through a, a dark season of your life, he's going to help you through it, but it's not just for you. It's so he can, so you can then in turn minister to somebody else. If you have a glorious visitation, it's not just for you. It's for somebody else. And so as a leader, if you get reset, it's just not so you feel like your, you know, your spiritual iPhone has been recharged and you're ready to go for another season. No, it's so that you can in brokenness and humility and honesty speak that to others who go, you know what? That's what I need. I want it. Walk with me. Now, as Again, us here in Kansas City at the International House of Prayer have been uh, journeying with the Lord through this period of time where he's kind of really spoken to us about um, or made us very aware of our lack and our need. And that's where we're using this terminology reset, which is basically we need help. Um, and we've been trying to form language around that and this, you know, the phrase of returning to the Mary Bethany lifestyle has kind of come out of that. And, you know, the, uh, for some people that's coins the expression of, uh, of long hours of prayer or so forth. You know, it's, it can transfer to a, a certain understanding in a house of prayer context. But how have you fleshed out some of the, the language and the reality of this to a local church uh, expression? So... So in, in the local church context, so when I hear the word reset, I, I immediately begin to think of an old word that it's been misused or misunderstood, and it's revive. Mm. Revival has always been for God's people, and awakening has always been for the for those that, that are not in the church, those that are ne- not necessarily God's people, those that need Christ. And before God can awaken the world, he has to revive the church. Mm. And so I believe, so in, in our local church, I'm speaking you know, our number one priority is to walk with God and to be with Him and to love His Word. And we now obey Him, not because we have to, because we want to. And we're going to do outreach, not because we have to, because we want to. And because in the place of prayer, He showed us exactly what to do and, and when to do it. And so I really don't think there has to be a dichotomy between house of prayer, local church. No, what I'm seeing in the body of Christ is there are local churches, and I can name several of them, that are they're, they're praying more than they ever have before, and they're taking on house of prayer identity. And I'm seeing house of prayer mm-hmm. um, across the nation take on several aspects of the local church. Hey, we're going to be greater at making disciples that are going to share their faith, but yet do it from the place of, of night and day prayer. And so the, in the local church, I, I think we just got to see it as, as one expression with different 
maybe angles to look at it. And so I, I really do believe, though, convictionally, there are 300,000 churches in our nation, and 70% of them are, have plateaued and are declining. And that's, that's research. And if you want to be generous, you can say 65%. I honestly believe the Lord has given the church. Um, he's, kind of put, he's kind of reviving the church so they can live again to what their primary purpose is, and that is to walk with him and walk in intimacy. So when you do that, you're not worried about how big your city is or what part of town your church is located in, or what resources you don't have. You're like, we just we have Jesus. We have enough. And when you have him, you don't have to outperform a different church down the road, or you don't have to better market what you have. You just got to be so in love with Jesus that people go, I want to be part of that spiritual family. Because yeah. people, here's the deal. People, especially millennials, honestly, not so much concerned about the biggest church or who has the, 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 the shiniest of this or that. People are just looking for a place to belong, mm-hmm. a spiritual family. The number one reason why people go to church, research has proven this, is not necessarily for the pastor, although that's in the preaching, that's big, and, and, and even for a sense of community, that's big. The number one reason why people go to church is they want to be closer to God. Mm-hmm. And if we can give them as God's people, if we can help them in that journey, we will help them significantly. And so the reset is, Malachi, don't take people where you're not going. Mm. I have to get closer so I can bring people with me. It's very well said. Yeah. Very well said. Is there, is there any scriptures? You know, we've focused a lot around uh, our, the Luke context of, 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 and telling of the Mary Bethany. You can find that in, in Matthew and, and, and also in Mark. Um, has there been any scriptures that as you've prepared sermons for your church and, and uh, in these last couple of months uh, to help them understand this and to even uh, give them that call again to following the Lord and creating a place for His presence. Um, is there yeah any scriptures that you would? There is a key scripture that's been in my heart, and I, and I, I, again it's so in my heart I can almost give you exactly where it's at. But I think I think it's First Samuel seventeen, and you can or First Samuel four. But there's this story in the Old Testament of the prophet Elijah, who. Um, you know, he prophesies there's going to be judgment, and then God tells him to go. Like great commission language. I want you to go. And he's, he, God sends him away from his own people, sends him to what we consider, you know, Gentile people. And he does this miracle for this woman and her son that are about to die. And so they don't die. And so everything seems fine, but then the story changes because all of a sudden the boy does die. And the woman looks to Elijah and goes, what does this matter now? My son is dead. Why did you do this? Did you did? Are you here just to remind me of my sin? And are you here just to uh, to bring this the, the, bring this judgment upon me? And, and here's what I love. And, and just give me a sixty seconds That's to kind right. of unpack this for you. Um, Elijah, this is what Elijah does. He he's following this kind of this great commission call to go. God uses him, but we got to realize that when great things happen, there can be attack. He says to this woman, "Okay, give me your son." And Elijah takes the son, the problem, the, the, the death situation, and the Bible literally says he takes him to his upper room. Mm-hmm. So Elijah walks the son up to the upper room and literally puts the, the young man down on his bed, and Elijah cries out to God. And if you, it's almost like we get this like secret audio recording of Elijah, and he's not praying confident prayers. He's just praying, God, why did you do this? And please, God, would you save this woman's son? And Literally, the language in that passage has the idea that he, he lays down on the sun. And literally, this idea that he stretches himself out on the sun. Now, in my imagination, it almost feels like there's a, a picture of a cross taking place here. As he mm-hmm. lays on the sun, 
and, and almost that transferable, I'm taking this upon myself in my upper room, crying out to God for a miracle. And all of a sudden, what does God do after he, after he lays on, again, gospel, great commission, cross, upper room, prayer. The Bible says these three words, and he revived, the young man revived. And the prophet brings the young man back to, the, to this woman and, and gives her his, his, the son, and then she gives glory to God. And I have reason to believe that she came to faith because of what God did. And what's the lesson there? Because of, God, because of what God has done for us on the cross, mm-hmm. he doesn't, we don't have to give him our son. God gave us his son mm-hmm. so that we can go to our upper rooms in faith and confidence, knowing that if we'll spend much time in the secret place with him, no matter what we bring to that room, God can bring it to life. And God can do the miraculous so a lost and watching world sees what only God can do because that's what they need to see. And I see that's a reset right there to remind Amen. us that, that the, in the upper room there's power. In the inner room with God there's power. And we have power not because we have... God's not saying, give me your son. God's not saying, no, 2,000 years ago on a cross, I gave you my son. And he died just like that boy died, and he lived, because just like I brought that boy back to life, I brought my son back to life Amen. so that he could live. That's excellent, Malachi. Thank you for sharing that. I think something that even kind of sticks out for me with that scripture as you're sharing it is how Elijah owned the deadness of the situation. Um, and how he didn't avoid it. And I think even in this time where we're grappling here in International House of Prayer in Kansas City, we just have our hearts exposed that we're, we're raw, weak, broken human beings pursuing the Lord. And as the Lord's kind of uh, making that expression known in different places and churches across American ministries, and they're going through a kind of a reset um, that we, we're owning our deadness. We're, we're not avoiding it. We're not uh, ignoring it, but we're actually facing it, laying on top of it, bringing it to the place of prayer and saying, Lord, revive us. You know, and, I, and I, I've said this before, and I, and I don't mean this to be like sharp for the point of being sharp, but we've come to a point in America and in the nations that we need a visible demonstration of what only God can do. Because when God does that, and he shows up in, in supernatural ways a lost world takes notice when when this young man in our church had what happened to him uh the entire city and state and world saw what happened through media and various things and i honestly think the lord is awakening the church to the necessity and the need and the power of the holy spirit to where if you believe the bible you have to go you know what jesus said greater works we would do and god doesn't do a greater work to do lesser works He's the kingdom of God's always advancing for greater and greater things till the end. And so I honestly thank to anyone who's listening to this, we need more of the Holy Spirit than we've ever had before, or maybe, depending on how your persuasion of this, Holy Spirit needs more of you, mm-hmm. of faith to believe he can do the impossible. If you don't believe, your experience, your encounter will follow your level of expectation. Yeah. So if you don't expect God to do great things, you might not experience God to do great things. Now, he might do it in spite of you, but I think there's coming, I honestly, I hate to use theological terms, I think the day and age has come to where we can no longer say the Holy Spirit can't do this and the Holy Spirit can't do that because our denomination says this or our network says this or my, my background says this. We have to say, what does the Bible say? Because the Bible says this, I believe it and that's enough for me and I'm going to live out. It's not just enough to say I know the Bible, I'm going to live the Bible. Amen. And then see what God does. And that's the reset God's bringing to the body of Christ, I believe. Thank you, Malachi. I'm going to have you close us in prayer here in just a quick moment. 
just for some of our readers, I'm aware that, or some of our listeners, I'm aware that they're they, probably readers too. But yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Um, they might not be fully tracking with what we mean by reset, and they might not be fully tracking with the history of it. I just want to let you guys know that if you would search online for, um, you could search International House of Prayer Convergence or Homecoming, and so there was an event that happened here in Kansas City related with our ministry in in September of 2018. Uh, that was kind of a key moment that the Lord used to reveal to us. And a lot of it was caught in camera, um, and you guys can, can watch that if you're interested. And there's also some videos that Mike Bickle and an open letter by Mike Bickle that are, are out there on the Internet that you could find on, on YouTube, YouTube or even at our website also. And so there's just a few of those things that if you're not completely tracking with this and you're interested or the Lord's highlighted it to you, you can find those very easily easily online excuse me and um and also we'll try to even post some of those links below uh connected with this podcast and and i just want to add to those that are listening um you definitely check it out what god did in kansas city through the convergence ihop kc but the lord if you're listening to this you're not listening by accident and so the question would be how are you doing with just just being with god the mark of a man the mark of a man or a woman of god is god upon the man you don't get that through a degree, a master's degree, a doctorate degree. You don't get that from a title or a position. You get it by much time spent alone with God. And so have you been with God in the secret place of prayer where he is enough? And if you haven't, this is not a, this is not a word of rebuke. This is a word of invitation. There's a loving father willing and waiting to want you to spend time with him and he will give you more of him than you've ever experienced. If you're a ministry leader going through a tough time and you're thinking about quitting, this could change everything for you. Just getting in God's presence to where eventually he becomes enough to where you don't care if people know who you are because all you care about is they know who he is. And so we we just serve a a wonderful God who's so gracious. And I believe the greatest days and the most troubling days are ahead but I'm excited to see what God's going to do in the body of Christ. Malachi, pray for us. Yes, let's pray. So, Father, we thank you that you are the God of resets. You're the God that revives. And just like that young man in, in the Old Testament through the prophet Elijah, he came back to life. Lord, had Elijah not prayed, Lord, Lord, you heard his prayer. Lord, one of the most amazing phrases is, you listen to the prayer of Elijah. And Lord, You listen to those of us who are here today who are praying and crying out. You listen. God, hear our cry. Lord, we need you. We don't have all the answers. We know you do. And we don't have have the ability in a million years to make dead things live, but you do. And our hope and our faith and our encouragement comes that we can see an empty tomb and a cross that you're no longer there. So, Lord Jesus, do a, do, would you send a massive reset from Kansas City, Lord, through the podcast, through the various means people hear this, across the body of Christ, into every state, and Lord, into every nation, Lord, because we desire every nation to sing to you and to pray to you, Lord, until the whole world hears of who you are. So, Lord, thank you, Lord Jesus, for the gift of this reset. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this One Thing Global Leadership Summit podcast and stay tuned for next week and our next release. And be sure to like it and subscribe to it and leave some comments. Yes, all of the above. Yes. (laughs)